production of the Toe Network. This is the Uncommon Cast RX number 210, appropriately enough entitled 10 and 2. Sono, how deep does this conspiracy go? Oh man, very deep apparently. Everything, yeah, all the pieces are falling into place. Everything is falling into place. It's disgusting. I did not notice this until just now. Anyway, hello, listener. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And this is Kamen Rider Zio, Episode 7, Magic Showtime, and Episode 8, Beauty and the Beast. Are and writing... y'all strap yourselves in! Yeah, y'all get ready. Uh, we're going on a Sorry, ride dude. this week. Sorry, go on, Sono. Uh, our writer continues to be Shimo Yamakento. Our director is Moroda Satoshi, who we have talked about many times. Uh, he is a prolific director that goes all the way back to 96 and started on The Big Two in 98 with a couple episodes of Ginga Man. Gun Gun Gingin. Generally does maybe 12 to 14 episodes, worked on Time Ranger, Gal Ranger, Blade, Bokenger, Double, uh, every writer from Double to now <laughs> looking this over. Just going beyond all space and time. He's He's been all over everything. Y'all look him up. He's got way too many credits for me to list. Um, and, you know, if, if no one minds, I'm gonna go right on into this. Sono, you had best! And I am- I'm jumping us basically right to our last segment of the show. Um, because I'm gonna start off with a fairly major guess as to- uh, a plot point in Zio, because one, I couldn't have cared less about this arc. It felt like Shimoyama just didn't get what Wizard was about, even though its themes of hope and recovery and sharing burdens is pretty blatant and would be some great themes to bring into Zio, but instead mostly used Wizard as a set dressing for a kinda gross nice guy finishes last arc where everyone just refuses to communicate anything to one another. That ironically really, they should've yeah, done you know, last time. Yeah, right? this it would have felt way more at home with the Fies cast being present than they did in the Forze arc where again tried to convince me that Takumi and Kusaka were friends, which I'm still not uh quite understanding about. But all that aside, this arc did introduce a lot of really interesting lore to the Zeo timeline that fed into a theory that I'd been working on since around episode six when I rewatched one through five all together uh, with a friend. And I know that here at the Uncommon cast, we're not particularly fond of the 2010s Common Rider Bad Dad TM trend. Uh, we're on record. We're on record as being pretty fed up with it, and I know that uh, wild fanficy theory drafting is something we try to keep to a minimum because it's not a particularly useful analysis tool. But indulge me, everyone, because I've been on this show for what, like three and a half years now, four and a half years, and I haven't, I haven't done this. So grant me this one. While rewatching the early episodes, I was struck with a thought. Because what if Sogo is not the one with the bad dad? What if Sogo is the bad dad? Yeah. And and Sono, like, to, to break the fourth wall a little, you introduced this idea to me last week when we were recording Laser Knees, and like I had to I had to step away from the computer to tell my partner, and we were just both like like she was sitting, I was standing, and we're both stock still for like a minute.
minute after because she's just like, oh, wait, of course. And and we're both just and, – and then I came back sitting down and I just was bouncing all of those connections back off of you, Sono. And because, yeah, what if Sogo is the bad dad? But do go on. I'm very sorry. What if – what if Gates – is a reverse Hana. What if instead of trying to fix his timeline, which is what Hana was trying to do, the son of Omazeo comes back in time to undo the terrible future created by his father, in spite of what that may mean for his own future, and allow me to present my evidence. I'm going to start with something that this arc introduces, uh, and work my way backward. Because a heavy piece of information dropped in 7 and 8 is that Gates and Waz have a prior relationship. They know each other fairly well. Waz refers to him several times as a prior acquaintance. And he sarcastically asks Gates at one point if he wants to reconcile their relationship, which would indicate that at one point they were on, to some degree, good terms. Gates is also... This, this I didn't think of last week when we talked about it. Gates is very educated. And this is a very subtle thing, but during the x arc, Gates is fluent in German. And he knows that Japan uses German terms in relation to medicine because that was where they adapted their medical technology from. That's not something that, like, I don't think even most, like, Japanese people would casually know. Or, you know, that's something they would maybe learn offhandedly during a history class, but not be fluent in, not like know German well enough from it. Um, Especially in, you know, Gates and Tsukuyomi's war-torn future, where Germany, as we know it, might not even exist anymore. So that that was something I thought of, uh, you know, just, just today going back through these episodes. I'm like, Gates perfectly pronounced all of those German words and recognized them immediately. Tsukuyomi didn't know German. That's not something people just know in the future. Gates is educated. There's also the fact that Gates is the only other person we know of who is a common Rider. He has the same driver that Zio and Omazio use, and Gates's color scheme is also similar to Omazio, though Gates is primarily black and red with yellow gold accents, where Omazio is black and a very distinct gold with red accents. And it's they're very similar and connected, but altered color schemes that would be a pretty good indication of, like, hey, this is a rider that is connected to me. But, you know, and if he wasn't, why would Omazio, heir to the power of every rider, allow for another common rider to exist? Especially one that uses the same powers that he does, and therefore, you know, take those powers. Unless it was a common Rider who was meant to inherit that power from him. This would also explain how Gates just walked into the show with the Ghost and Drive Ride watches. He just took them when he went off to join or start the Rebellion. Hey Dad, I hate you. I'm taking your stuff. Bye. Yeah, it provides a very simple and reasonable explanation as to how he has those things. And this... This last one is a bit of a stretch, but bear with me here, because visual symbols are important, especially to me. They are a thing that I enjoy. Well, and this is a visual medium. Yeah, and while this is something that I had initially overlooked, and is very easy to overlook, seeing five episodes in a row 
made me acutely aware of something that, again, it's very easy to miss if you're not looking for it. And if you're not aware of what the placements of these things would mean. On Kamen Rider Gates' helmet, centered in his forehead, is the symbol of a clock with hands at ten and two. Ten and two. Ten and two. This same symbol is on the sleeves of his clothes, his weird, like, bodysuit thing, when he first arrives, and on the back of the neck of his weird, stupid harness. And it exists. These, these spots on his clothing are the distinct spots that would traditionally be where Kamon family crests would be placed on kimono, especially the one on the back of the neck. Okay, and also, it would be a perfect bit of quasi-wordplay for the the key to the secret of this Kamen rider to be in his Kamon. Would. And, you know, the, the clock hands on Zio and Oma Zio's helmet are set at ten and two, making a clock at ten and two a fitting symbol to regard Oma Zio by. It's a symbol that represents the face of their king. Also, you know, Zio doesn't bear this symbol on his suit because it's likely a symbol created after Zio came to power because, again, it's representative of his face. Thus, it would not be on the Zio suit. It doesn't need to be there. It has his face. And and also, just to add in a quick thing, it's also a symbol that you... S- that after you told me this theory that I am very into, I started noticing is in a lot of places just in episode eight, because that was when I'd heard it. And I noticed that uh, the, I don't know the word for it, the, the sort of curtain that acts as a divider instead of a door that hangs in the doorway. I don't know what those are called, uh, but the one of those in his uncle's shop at the very top has a clock set to 10 and 2. It's actually, uh, looking looking around the scene, there are three to four clocks set to 10 and 2 in that room. There is almost always one in a shot at some point if they're in the front of the shop. Uh, Whether, you know, sometimes it's panned away from so you don't see it the whole time, but there's in just about every shot, there's one there, be it on that curtain or one of the actual clocks in the room. And when Sogo, Gates, and Waz are talking uh, later in 8, they're everywhere. You see it all throughout that conversation. They are surrounded by clocks at 10 and 2 during a scene where Sogo is very distinctly taking charge of the situation. I also find it a tad strange that of every single time traveler in this show, all six of them, Gates is the only one with a surname. No other character who comes from post-2018 has a family name. What clearer way to sever ties with your horrible overlord father than removing and replacing his surname from you? I assume... The surname he took is likely from that guy we see him mourning back during the X-8 arc. Um, or maybe he made it up, I don't know. But that guy is maybe someone who took him in and became more of a proper father figure to him, and thus he took his name. So, from all this, I'm going to present uh, my my full theory that Gates is the son of Omazeo, raised fairly isolated and educated by Waz, and in, in 8, Waz mentions that Gates has never beaten him in a fight, 
which leads me to believe Waz is likely also the one who trained him to be a common Rider. Gates eventually somehow got out, wandered out, whatever, learned what his father was doing to the world, befriended Tsukuyomi, took his inherited driver and a couple of his father's ride watches and joined the other side. And when that clearly wasn't enough to fight back, he decided to go and just completely undo that future. This is why Gates is so aggressive with Sogo, but why he also very often just does what Sogo says without seeming to think about it. Why he's occasionally intimidated and even threatened by Sogo when Sogo shows any confidence in what he's doing. And also very easily bends to following Sogo's plans. When Sogo says, hey, we're going to do this, sit down so I can explain myself, Gates does it. And of course, we're eight episodes into a 48-episode show, and I could be wildly off course with this theory, but of all the pieces are there, and I'm very eager to see if I'm on track with what kind of puzzle we're putting together, or what it actually is, if I'm wrong. Well, look, if, if you're wrong, I'm wrong too, and it had better be replaced with something way more interesting, because, look, it fits. It, it explains so many things on a lore level, and also works on a big thematic level, and just sets up a bunch of really good potential conflicts for basically everyone in the series. It, like, I won't say it fixes all of my problems, because I still, I still have beef, but it, it helps a lot of things and makes the show way more interesting for me. And okay, I'm just spinning out, because if, if... Gates is Sogo's son, then that actually means Sogo, no matter how good he ends up being, actually has a reason to become Omazeo. Because if he's not this evil overlord, his friend who went back in time to prevent him from becoming Omazeo will never be born. If he's not Omazeo, he's doomed to be Omazeo because his friend will never come back in time to tell him not to be Omazeo. Like paradoxes. They're fun and would require some proper common rider symbolic battles and or power of friendship magic because that's the only way you solve a paradox. Sorry, it just is. That's the rules of the genre. And I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Y'all know I'm a big fan of let's save the day with the power of friendship. It also explains why in these episodes when, as you mentioned, Sono, like Waz has Gates alone. He saves his life, but also just clearly could pop in on him at any time. Gates is alone, he's away from the Overlord, and Waz never even tries to murder him. He's trying to corrupt your boss. He went back in time to derail the life of your Overlord. If Gates is the prince of all time, then of course the word will have come down that, hey, Waz, if you kill my son, you are time dead. You know, the kind of dead that happens when I go back and kill your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents and their entire families. So it's not just that your parents never meet. Your great-grandparents never exist, okay? Just, he's, he's, like you said, he's probably the one who trained him, which means you're allowed to talk some sense, uh, in this case, evil fascist sense, but a kind of sense, nonetheless, into the kid. But if you kill him, I will end you. You know, it also explains why in Seven, because Waz certainly doesn't try to kill Gates when they're alone, 
together, but someone else does, and Waz saves him. Yeah. Because even if Waz is just against getting his hands dirty, like, even, even if he just, Waz doesn't kill people, that's just not how he does things, it would have been very convenient to let someone else kill the guy trying to derail his king's ascension to the throne. Yeah. But if Gates is the Prince of Time... Waz very well can't allow someone else to take away what rightfully belongs to Omazeo, especially if I'm correct and Waz has been charged with educating and training him. He's, to some extent, Waz's responsibility. And you don't roll up to uh, the evil overlord with, hey, someone accidentally killed your kid, even though I have time powers. Sorry! That's... That just doesn't sound like a very smart idea. Um, it also gives a little bit of extra humor to every time Gates is so quick to say, yeah, he's not my friend. Because on top of that whole, like, oh, he's not my friend because I think he's going to become actual Satan, he's also a rebellious teen. And he definitely doesn't want to be friends with his dad. Especially since, you know, in this case, his dad is actual Satan. But, well, okay, he's figurative Satan. But y you know what I mean. More, like... I start to wonder how this is potentially a lot of good stuff with Tsukiyomi, because does she know he's the Prince of Time? Or does she just think he's like a charismatic common Rider doing what common Riders do? And, hey, like, you were intended to be like the super soldier for his army and you rebelled. Good on you. Does she know what he's about? How will she react? And, and, you know, whatever. It's it's just a good question. And gave her reason enough to unstick herself from time so she could try and bring back gauzy capes before they were a thing. Uh, it's a good look, by the way. I think, honestly, I think a lot of people should be wearing it. Though maybe don't clasp it around your neck. That seems like a terrible idea. But it, it just does come down to how is she going to trust Gates if he's secretly related to Omazeo? Because on TV, all familial relationships are exactly the same, even if one of them is you know, a fascist dictator. And I'm just over here like, mm, maybe family should be more complicated than, ah, uh, you're my blood, so I have to care. But that's me. And more than anything, in a show where I've been having trouble engaging with our protagonist, it essentially sets me up with a new protagonist, because if Gates really is the prince of all time, and he's trying to kill or unmake his father, that means he's essentially on a suicide mission, which explains also why he doesn't just wait till Tsukiyomi is asleep like she was in this episode and shoot Sogo in the face. On top of, like, that would be a terrible thing to do, but if the future is a certain kind of desperate, uh, uh, you could justify it. It wouldn't be... There's a, very, there's a lot of very complicated philosophical... I mean, like... If she's Thanks, asleep, but... he could just do it and go back to the future, and it wouldn't matter because she wouldn't know that he did it. Exactly. But also, you know, complex paradox stuff, but still, it's, he's on, but he doesn't seem to entirely want to, which makes me think that, you know, on top of, okay, you're saving the future, but you're definitely killing yourself if you do this, which, that's pretty heavy thing and a very interesting bit of of dissonance to add to his character which is good because his character is as written outside of this theory is kind of thin most of the characters are i'm very sorry i'm trying i really am i like the show somehow very good plot i like a lot of anyway 
but he's but on top of that it also kind of highlights how bad Omazio is because yeah Omazio is so bad he is willing to forfeit his entire existence to prevent Omazio from coming to power and risking whatever paradox will result in the paradox inducing action that he wants to take um and it's just it that theory adds everything and I'm so happy you get you talked about it so no cuz I confess this time last week I did not imagine I would have any ability to care about Gates beyond, like, ah, he's an interesting aspect of this philosophical dilemma. Because now he's uh, an interesting addition to this philosophical dilemma, who also has a bit more skin in the game in a non-abstract sense, because now he could be a tragic hero, or an anti-hero. Like, there's a lot of good stuff going on. We can talk with him there, we can talk about the, the power of complicity in evil and or fascistic systems because complicity is weapon one that's how you get people to go along because you say hey you don't have a right to criticize this system you take part in it which is always the first thing they go to because they're awful anyways uh, so you sound like you're about to go I i'm pretty much done no, it's just, just it, it creates a really fascinating aspect to this show that otherwise didn't exist and i've been really engaged in the dynamic the kind of will he won't he of sogo becoming omazeo and how people are kind of pushing and pulling that in different directions i really didn't care about gates yeah same and now i kind i don't know if i care about gates but i care about gates's storyline well i know I... those kind of sound like the same thing but it's it is a it is a meaningful distinction because like I I not even get into it but okay I went off on this on Twitter earlier I'm gonna go off here I like I watch every episode of the Netflix Voltron show I would be hard pressed to say anything really nice about it it is not actually very good so I enjoy the show I like I like none of the characters because they're all for me anyway I'm not. Like, this is no judgment on anyone who likes it. For me, they're all very thinly sketched. Like, they're they're only not ciphers by dint of the fact that each of them has one, and then in parentheses, the number one, personality trait. And the one everyone gets excited about has actually less personality than anyone else. Keith is not that interesting, you guys. He's just not. He's just a brooding pretty boy who is, like, you've seen him before. You have. Oh, I definitely and, have. I have I have watched a ton of shonen anime in my life. Yeah, exactly. So, this is no judgment on people who like it, it's just, that's how I take it, that's my engagement level. I still watch every episode. So I think I think that, that, you know, I don't care about the character, but I care about their story. That's, yeah, I don't care about anyone on Voltron. I just, I just don't, because they keep just adding new stuff to every last one of them, and it is never reflected in the storytelling, so it's complicated, but it's not complex. I don't care. Like, if if my if if ten and two is all correct, I don't care if Gates lives or dies at the end. I just want to see how it plays out. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the thing. Like, I don't I'm really care what the end result is for him. I just want to see the end result. Exactly. I want to see the end result, and I want to see how they get there and how they approach it. It's Zio is a very forensic show for me. At least that is, that is the, the way I've started talking about this certain kind of watching. 
Uh, that's how I watched the Bleach movie that was on Netflix that completely wasted an incredibly charismatic cast. Just wasted them so badly by just trying to film bits of the manga instead of adapting it into a story. I still posit that as much as I love Fukushi Soda, I don't think he's a good fit for Ichigo. No, I have not. I have not I haven't watched the movie yet. I don't I just I don't feel like he's a good fit for Ichigo. They don't unfortunately, give him any of the, they don't play it into his strengths at all. Unfortunately, I feel like he's a really good fit for an entirely different character who's one of his most notable traits is that he's identical to Ichigo. I mean, look, if it works, Maybe that's what they're planning for a later thing, but I hope there isn't a later thing because honestly, Bleach. I mean, the, to, I the, might not be to a the degree fan, that to the degree that like they would get to that, they would have to do like five movies. Yeah. So. So I I do not believe it would anyone even considered it getting that far. Yeah, but it's just I, I just to sort of bring us back around because I know that that's all me. That is all me just doing the the distracting, but. But if a forensic watch is where you just you watch a thing to learn things, and I think this show is very good at teaching at teaching things, just how to construct a meta plot in an episodic series. I think they're very good at that. They're doing a, a very well, not good, but a very decent job. And on that level, I can continue to engage, which is good because every episode needs like another pass just on the script or direction level. Just not a ton. No one, nothing needs an overhaul, but I feel like everything this, needs... This arc does. Yeah, it does. So I'm, I I was not engaged with this arc. Most of this arc was very uncomfortable and annoying, if not upsetting. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's get off the, the, the vague theory stuff. Let's get into our specifics with the stuff we didn't like. Because I'm going to start us off. Because here's a thing that I did not like in these episodes... Uh, and it is my biggest lore beef, and I, I I hate having beef with lore because you can't fight it, and there's there's rarely a way around it that doesn't involve getting very no prizey. But I'm upset that the different time jackers do not, in fact, have their their own specific genres of deals that they make. I was so annoyed. Or just asks a dude to contract with him in order to protect someone else, and kid. We've established, kind of, as much in as much as we've established anything this early in the show, that that's Aura's deal. That's her set of deals. I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's same. Like, it was cool to see the three of them working at least adjacent to one another in this arc, but each of them having their own separate way of judging worthiness to be king was a really neat idea that I hope we're not just throwing out entirely and that this was just kind of an anomaly. Same. Like, maybe the uh, Ura's actor just couldn't show up for the filming that day, so they just they just swapped in Ur, because not for nothing, one, that would work pretty well with a wizard show and two uh that does kind of feel like a leap motif given the forza episodes yeah and like i feel like part of it may just be that they're like oh we're on episode seven and eight and er hasn't really done anything since episode two mm. so let's use him instead and i'm like that's maybe not the greatest plan but okay just maybe balance this better in the future mm. This is a very petty thing, but I'm going to... But I reacted to it every time I watched episode 7. 
So I'm gonna bring it up. Sogo's uncle pointing out that Sogo has never seen a VCR before made me crumble to dust and blow away in the wind. And I'm just... It was so painful. That's, look, that's fair. I understand that Sogo is 18, and most 18-year-olds probably have not ever seen a VCR. But, like, that, it, it hurt me in my heart. No, look, I'm... I'm with you. The only way it would have hurt more is if he, if it would have been like a Betamax, and he was having to explain the format wars. Because, like, I, I was, I was aware for the very end of that mess, and like, I don't entirely remember it, but I definitely remember going to the video rental store, ask your parents, and being sad that there were tons of things I wanted, but only on beta, and we, we, we just didn't have a Betamax player. We were. We were VHS, because VHS was on the way to winning the format war at the time. I just, like, look, if nothing else, I enjoy that his uncle is consistently bringing in old technology and using that as a way to comment on what's going on. And for all I have, I, I have beef with a lot of things in the show. I think that's actually very clever. We had the we had the Theseus boombox, and now the, the, the lost technology of the VCR. It's, it's fascinating. It is very neat. I just wish he wouldn't make me feel horribly old with it. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's fair. And I I hope eventually gets to bring in the laserdisc player and just like, look, this one died before its time. It was ahead of the game. Also, these discs weighed a ton and the motors kept dying because they were so heavy. And you like there is a chunky bit in the middle of the movie where like the the laser had to flip over onto the other side, or you had to get up and flip it over because there was only so much space on there. Why didn't they use a DVD? They hadn't been invented yet! Look, it's 2018, and I found, like, anime laser discs like, a couple months ago. <gasps> Beautiful. And I'm like, this is a, this is a treasure yeah, that I wish I had money to buy right now. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm just like, I wish they'd make laserdisc players with hdmi outputs yeah but that's that is a very niche product and i understand why it's not there okay so i know that hayase is an another writer and overall not a great guy and i will get to that in a minute because that is its own conversation but gates should maybe hold off on one blowing everyone's cover and two, assaulting random people in alleyways because he doesn't know that Hayase is a skeevy person yet. Which, like, as you say that, I realize actually helps with in the uh, in the Prince of Time argument because, of course, a prince is only sort of nominally used to people not genuflecting to him on the reg, and it's not like uh, evil overlord Omazio would be like, "Hey, don't assault random people." Yeah, that was kind of his thing. He kind of did that as a hobby. Yeah, he's a bad person. That's what he does. So I, I'm not saying that's proof, but it's it's one more bit of argument I would I would say is defensible. I'm also a little confused by like you know the gang asks like oh has has he been performing long and Cowrie's like oh no not that long he was hired to work backstage and then at some point I guess he learned magic and then following that up with he started performing on stage six years ago because ladies six years is a long time especially when your entire business is built on the back of that six year long career yeah yeah like, look, e even taking into account some level of minimizing, like, maybe that's a cultural difference that is just weird to us. But, yeah, six years is pretty significant. 
especially when he's apparently doing he's been spending all those six years doing actual literal non-illusory magic you know toriku janai like it's not a trick these are not illusions this is he's literally summoning summoning actual fire and breaking vases and literally putting them back together with actual magic lady you 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 could afford to be a little more impressed is what i'm saying six years is an amount of time yeah that's if it was six months you'd be like oh you know not long but six years that's like even even if it was one year like that's acceptable because you know her dad built this theater she's probably been kind of in and out of working there since she was a child six years is a long time though like that's that's a significant portion of your life that is six common riders. Like, lady, be impressed. Especially since, like, they're probably in their 30s at most. Yeah. At six most. years. Six years. If you're. If they are 30, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be generous, because they're probably supposed to be in their 20s, because no one in a common rider series is ever over 30. If they're 30. Six years is a a full fifth of their lifetime. Yep, 20% of your existence. And an even larger percent of the amount of your existence where you have been conscious as as you are, because there's a certain point in your, in your childhood where your brain just sort of jettisons most of its memories because it doesn't need them and they don't make sense because your brain wasn't ready to store them properly yet. Like, six years would be most of... It would be a significant chunk of her adult life. A significant yeah. chunk of her working life. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's a weird writing decision, y'all. But if I may, this does bring me to the greatest sin of this arc. A sin which, given the timeline of the show, will apparently stand for the rest of time. Which is that this is all happening on Christmas Eve in 2012, which means that the fight we see in 8 is the one from the Wizard Christmas episode, aka the greatest and most Christmassy Common Rider Christmas episode. That means that Haruto is not gonna s- save that dude from, you know, being the, the, the gate, the Phantom's attack. That means that that dude is never gonna reconnect with the old guy who ran his children's group home that he grew up in, and all those little kids will never learn the amazing lesson that Santa Claus is real because Santa Claus lives in our hearts, and we can all be like Santa Claus if we are generous to others without the expectation of reward. And also, there is literal magic that will make actual Santa Claus crawl out of the collective unconscious and make it snow on Christmas like it's a cartoon. Besmirching that moment is a crime, and no matter how much... I actually kind of think the Time Jackers are kind of awesome. I hope they are brought to Rider Kick Justice for that affront, because the Common Rider Wizard Christmas special is frickin' sacred. I mean, this is truly a sin, and I didn't even think of it, but now that I've been- now that it's been brought to my attention, I'm very upset. Yeah, yeah, because look, there's- there's a lot- like, if it had been before that moment, I probably wouldn't even be half as mad, because- Hey, he derailed a lot of stuff. You derailed, like, you specifically derailed a personal favorite episode. That's another wizard is never going to put on the Christmas ring, and it'll be Merry Christmas, please. He don't do that stuff. He doesn't bring that dude's shattered, 
well, not even shattered, just incinerated gifts for the children of that group home doesn't restore them to their original state with Christmas magic, actual literal Christmas magic, because, hey, Haruto's not there to save that dude. And I don't... What happens to all the bad guys? Do they just get beat by the another rider? Is that what we should understand to happen? I don't know. We like, I don't know, and I'm gonna bring this back up. You know what, I'm actually gonna skip ahead by a Go point. For it. To bring up the fact that, because this is relevant, Nito is tragically underused in this episode. He shows up, he has this three-second fight that means absolutely nothing, and then just walks out of the show. I mean, that is, and, and, and he basically even says, oh yeah, this was just, this was nothing. This was literally, literally not a thing. Nito got his driver completely independent of Haruto. If Haruto never became wizard, that shouldn't change the fact that Nito is Kamen Rider Beast. They're not related, even slightly. Nito becoming Beast is not even related to the Eclipse, in which, like, Haruto becomes wizard. It is a completely separate event on a different continent. And we don't talk about how that changes things. Like, I get that the, the 2012 stuff is just before he actually comes back to Japan and joins the Kamen Rider wizard cast, but nonetheless, 2018 Nito should still be a wizard, and he's not. And he should still be a wizard that just ate all the phantoms. And Which we don't, I wish they we don't address that. this. That would have been, If there would have been a bit where he's just like, oh, yeah, there was a problem... I met that another wizard guy. He's a jerk, but, you know, I took care of all the phantoms, so it's not even a thing. What's a phantom? Oh, there are these crazy monsters that come from the collective unconscious, and they wanted to eat all of humanity. Well, what happened to them? I ate them. And they're just... I mean, come on. Wouldn't you love to see Gates' face just at... Oh, yeah, I killed and ate all the bad guys. That, you know, you should run away from that. You should. Except also, he's adorable. He really is. But, like, they also just don't address the fact that he just keeps the Beast Ride Watch, which is absolutely something he would do and is not out of character for him. But him having it and not giving it to Gates, like, it doesn't mean anything. Gates isn't like, hey, come out here and give me that, we need both of them. He just, Nito just walks out of the show with it. He, He duck and rolls into his tent with it and Gates just leaves and he walks out of the show with it. So why does he even have it? Why does he have it to begin with? He has zero bearing on the plot of this episode except to hand over the wizard watch and arguably serve as the catalyst for some exposition into how the altered timelines are affecting the riders. But there's basically no point to him being there because Sogo apparently thought of that anyway and could have just brought it up. And, like, it's it's kind of sad, because even if, you know, on this show we've discussed some criticisms of his role in the narrative of Kamen Rider Wizard, he's still a really fun character that Zio could have done some stuff with and didn't. Which, I mean, on the one hand, that's very accurate to Wizard, the show. True. Because that was my biggest beef, because, I mean, I, again, I think Beast was good enough he could have carried his own show. Honestly, I think that would have been better, but that's that's neither here nor there. But I just, again, I just wish we could have seen him talk about the lore or his relationship to another wizard or just honestly have him try to, you know, find and then eat the ride watch. And why? He could just say, like, oh, yeah, Shimera has me eat stuff, weird magic stuff. He just tells me to do it and I do it. It's just how this goes. I'm a warlock. That's what happens. By the way, 
related, I'm deeply upset that Camaro wasn't even mentioned in this arc when Nito was around. Like, not even, not even a little. And that seems like a personal attack on my Camaro-loving self. Not even specifically this Camaro. I just love Camaros in general. Which, look, I can get with. And it, honestly, it does seem kind of rude to anyone who dug on Nito, because we keep having these these actors, the faces, come back, but we don't really get a lot about who they are. Again, back in Fies, there was a bit like, hey, Kusaka, we're friends, even though I hate you sometimes. I'm like, I haven't seen the show. I'm pretty sure that's not how this works. That's no one likes Kusaka. pointedly a... not true. Yeah. Large portions of the plot hinge on the fact that Kusaka hates him. Yeah, it's like the only other people they got entirely right have been like Hiro from X-Aid and then Sento and Ryuga. And like, Emu is passable, but I'm not sure. I'm still mad that we don't even mention Parrot. Yeah. But also, like to, to get back to an earlier point that you were mentioning, I really did not appreciate the the how the time travel affects people stuff. Just because it was just delivered as a not very interesting bit of dialogue. And all of the things they've been saying have either been shown or... I mean, look, we'll see or we won't, but it's just... It is not that big a thing to me. Like, I don't actually care. There are a lot of other things I would have liked to see them do with those precious, precious seconds. Because that's like... I don't actually literally know how long the scene was, but that's ten more seconds of Nito doing stuff or being cool or an extra 10 seconds of time jacker drama or Hayase doing something evil or convincing himself not to do something evil or Sukiyomi breaking through the fourth wall to kick the writer's shins in for sidelining her like they do. I mean, unless it turns out to be, I guess in her case, where the actress has an arrangement with her idol group and this is some sort of extended meta commentary on what happened with uh, Koyomi back in Wizard itself, in which case like I get it, but also y'all could afford to paper over the cracks just a little. Yeah, and I mean like speaking of that, yeah. I'm so bored with how she got sidelined for this pretty much the entire arc. But uh -huh. especially in 8 by putting her to magic sleep. Like, it's, it's a shame. And, I mean, I'm hoping that once we hit the second quarter, she'll kind of work her way back in. I'm not banking on it, but I hope. Because at least at the end of 7, before she's pretty much just literally dropped on the floor, like, she does run in and is like, hey, you two, cut it out. And they respect her authority. And go as far as to disengage their suits when she tells them to stop. Yeah, and I just, honestly, I just keep coming back to how good she was in those first couple episodes, and how I worry that she might just be in the background more and more, and I'm not liking that, and I'm hoping that you're right, and that she'll have more of a role later, after they finish laying down the rest of the basics of 10 and 2, but... I mean, look, of our two time-tossed kids with silly clothes, she was the one I liked more anyway. She's also the only reason I ever want to look at the time machines, because um, they're terrible, and their bicycle, their their motorcycle modes are just hilariously bad. They're not good-looking robots, and I, the only reason I ever want to look at them is if she's piloting one, or throwing down in one, because I, like, why couldn't she at least remain the time pilot. Sogo shouldn't know how to do this, even if he's gonna grow up to be Zio. He should have to learn from her. Yeah. Because my her my have only, a thing. My only kind of, like, thing that eases my worries is 
And, you know, I think of Hana and the cake. There's a bit in the opening where she's walking down some stairs and all three time jackers are there and she, like, stops and they disappear and she's, like, confused. So maybe she's somehow involved with their plot line? That would make or me there's, happy. Or there's I'd something okay there? Like, I'm just... It hints at there being something and I would like to know. I would like that to be a thing. That would be... That would be very nice... And it would give her a thing to do, which, as as I feel we've established pretty good on this show over the last few years, I like when they give the girls things to do, because they frequently forget to do that, yeah. and it makes me mad, because y'all could just be cool for like a second, though. Anyway, let's, let's move on before anyway, I just fall into I that. Have, I have one more large problem that I said I would circle back to and more than anything else I think I'm just so mad and sick of this plot of Hayase selling his soul to keep the theater afloat for Heat Dopon over here cuz he's in love with her and never sa- never actually talks to her about that what? very blatantly never talks to her about that and then when his coworkers like hey me and her getting married. He just tries to murder both of them. Like, the second he finds out about it, because it's been six years and he's been too much of a coward to make a move. Like, that's boring and gross, and as much as I appreciate the the turn to him, like, going to his past self and saying, hey man, maybe don't be a creeper and just actually say something and like you're probably like she's probably still gonna date that guy but you'll feel better about it because you said something like i appreciate that because that's an important lesson but i swear he best have been rejected by her back in 2012 and i'm so annoyed that they left it ambiguous and left any possibility of someone taking this as him getting rewarded by getting the girl in the end and yeah. possibly also, you know, having that other guy taking this all away at his expense. It's it's the Yuri and Maya problem. Yeah, I just I, I'm in the same place because if if you're gonna if you're gonna introduce this thing, they should give it they should give us that again. Take out that stupid explanation, uh, just explicit bit of exposition, and just have that ten seconds be new timeline present day Hayate getting asked about, hey, did you ever meet this girl? And him just, like, shrugging when when asked. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a thing for her. Didn't happen. We're still friends, though. And her and my other friend are getting married in a couple days. And I'm just trying to figure out the right gift for them because I'm happy that they're happy. I actually have another very fulfilling relationship with someone else. Because, I mean, I know that when you're 14 and you're stupid and full of hormones and a culture is feeding you a bunch of poison about how relationships work, and it's lying all the time. When you're 14, it feels like getting rejected is the end of the world. He said with just, yeah, trust me, I speak from experience here. Um, But it doesn't have to be a big thing like this for anyone. Like, you don't have to turn into a friggin' devil monster about it. It'd be nice if more things could just say, like, yeah, well, you know, this girly light just didn't like him back, and fine. He dealt with it in a manner that is healthy, which is, eh, sucks. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sad about it for a little while, and then I'll move on, because that's so much better than this, like, 
oh no, you should, you are capable of completely falling in love with someone even though you've never had a conversation that lasted more than a half hour. That's a thing that is possible. Get out of here. It's it's really cheap. I'm sorry. I'm I'm about to like. We should get onto the good stuff. Otherwise, I am going to just launch into a, a long theory of relationships and how they should do it because they're just so bad. I just I I hate that I we had to spend two whole episodes on this. Yeah. And that those two whole episodes used Wizard as a set dressing when Wizard is such. Wizard has such beautiful theming that would have been so great for this show, especially in an arc that's about, like, Sogo trying to build relationships with these two other people. Yeah. And we just didn't. Yeah, well, especially since. I mean, I understand that they, they couldn't get uh, the kid who played Haruto, and I, I understand that. He's very. Like, I imagine he's in demand. Uh, but I mean, they still—they still got Nito. Yeah, we could. There's just a lot of stuff they could do, but they didn't do it in lieu of just this, this utter jackass. This. Speaking of, frankly, I was a little surprised they got Nito because I didn't think he was still acting. Oh, really? I mean, I, f- I follow him on Instagram, and he posts a lot of things that are not acting. Um, mm-hmm. I f- I thought he was mainly doing like modeling and stuff. Now I could be wrong. I mean, but be very good at it i imagine yeah no i mean like that's very the, the whole gentleman but it's i was just very surprised because i'm like he didn't post anything about it like he just showed up in these episodes and i'm like oh well neat. considering how long he was in the episode i imagine it's just oh hey you guys want me in sure and he just rolled in showed up for like three takes and then just like yeah hey, that was fun later guys at least that's how it felt i, I but hate let's, being so let's just Let's just get into what few good things there are. Wow, you sound so bitter. I didn't like this arc. <laughs> I really did. There are things I liked about this arc, which are mostly lore, but I didn't enjoy no, watching I, I these just, episodes. I, I often feel like I'm the one who comes and is just sounding like, Ugh. It's It's nice to not be the only one who does it, is what I'm it's saying. A, it's a nice change of pace for the listeners. Yeah, I should hope so. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the cynical one this week. Hooray! And I'll be also the cynical one. But that's that's just the way it goes in Albuquerque. Anyway, uh, Sonor, let's get into the good stuff, though. Okay, um, I do like that Sogo is starting to feel like the kind of person who could conceivably, with the wrong influences, become Omazeo. Because he spends a lot of this arc not manipulating people because he never tries to convince anyone that it's what they want but just sort of putting everyone into situations where they have to just be doing the thing that he wants sogo just kind of puts everyone in spots where he continues to get his way even though no one wants that sogo wants to go see a magic show with his friends and sogo's like no we're not friends and we're not gonna go hang out But, you know, if they're going to follow him to keep an eye on him anyway, he's just going to go to the magic show, and then they have to go to the magic show with him. And Sogo gets what he wants. In episode 8, he, you know, he calls Waz in, and he's like, Hey, Waz, tell me this information. And Waz's like, why would I tell you that? Because you are on my side, and you do what I say. And Sogo gets what he wants. Yeah. Like, 
Which, by the way, was hilarious, and I love that he's comfortable finally just, like, being like, Hey, Waz, you've just been popping in every time you feel like it. You're definitely here watching me. Come tell me what I want to know. Like, again, that's such a that's such a, a behavior that feels like the first steps of Omazeo. It really does. Because how better to show that you're getting into the role. And I... I it's a thing I like, and I really hope that they can take that and start to lean into how kind of scary that could be as we go on. Because, like, for all I enjoy, the, oh, right, yeah, they're they're playing him very neutral, the kid could go either way. It I would not mind a few bits of, wow, so just someone acknowledging textually, Sogo, you're really good at getting people to do what you want them to do, aren't you? And just him be, just smiling like, well, yes. I'm going to be their king. Just one of those moments where the kind of creepy inhumanity of him could creep through, because it's there subtextually, but if it's never acknowledged in the text, it's it's hard to know if that's me reading it, you know? It's It's a thing where it's cool to start him out as he could go one way or the other, but eventually he's got to start going one way or the other. Yeah, and... Even if he changes directions at some point, the direction change only works if you believe that he's going one way or the other. Like, he's he's gotta be doing the things. Yep. And and it's it's a thing, again, in, in the forensic way I am kind of watching the show, there's a level where I feel like the show is both playing their stuff too subtle, but also in some ways not being subtle enough. And I... I have problems with it, but I do kind of enjoy watching them work out the seesaw balancing act that you can kind of see them working their way toward as the weeks go on. I just, I want them to, to get the balance a little better, but... He's gotta, he's gotta at some point be going in the directions. Yeah, like he, guess what, you said, the way you set it up, he can't be a sweet-natured hero the whole time. After, honestly, I feel like the next episode kind of has to be him. Uh, grabbing the, the the another rider, or honestly, the, the actual rider, just by the lapels and just give me the power. Why? I need it. Heck, not even I need it, just I want it. Give it to me. I have chosen it. I have decided it will be mine. Just, I need the moment where he can be cool, but also he's scary, because him becoming Omazeo just doesn't feel like it quite works now. Yeah, it's just, we gotta, we have to get a little bit further in. Yeah. So, y'all, the bit where Sogo is getting snacks and Waz just kind of, like, walks by and calls out to him, and Sogo has the most casual reaction of just like, oh, hey, Waz, what's up? How's it going? Literally just, how's it going? Like, he ran into a middle school friend in the supermarket? That was amazing. Like, that whole exchange is great. Like, Sogo just kind of shrugging off whatever is concerning Waz, because again, Sogo's getting what he wants. He's getting to see a magic show with his friends. But how- why would you tell me not to do that, Waz? I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. And, like, Waz just kind of rolls his eyes at all of this, because his, you know, his- Common Rider Overlord business is pull. This is pulling Sogo away from that, and you know Waz can't really do anything about it because again, this is the king, and he can do whatever he wants. That's that's what being a king is, man. But I, again, 
just to go back to what I was just saying, it is honestly a little frightful and amazing that they're able to play these scenes off as haha oh that lovable scam zio when again when you stop and think about it it is really frightening because a dude comes back in time right says to you hey what's up you're gonna be the antichrist and i'm gonna help you be the antichrist because i freaking love the antichrist and your reaction is yeah all right cool you want some cheetos by the way, do you know what's up with this wizard? Like, that's that's sort of like okay the first time. The first time you can write it off as haha, that you know, what a lovable scamp. But like the eighth time, dude rolls up and is like, "Hey, what's up, Antichrist in training? Do you want me to help you? You know, to become the Antichrist?" And you're just like, "Hey, what's up, buddy? We should hang out. You're neat." Like, <laughs> that's a weird reaction to the guy who's like, "Hey." I want to help you become the most horrific monster the soci- that society as a concept has ever known. I mean, I get that the kid clearly has a very utilitarian view of other people, which, you know, that's not cool. But also, someone who's working very hard to turn you into a fascist is not... So- like, I wouldn't hang out with them. There'd be a lot more like, Waz, get out. Ah, oh, but your greatness, I just want to get out... I swear, I will become the Overlord just so I can behead you. Oh, thank you, sir. Not... No! <laughs> Go! Was his I mean, like, I, I at least appreciate that Sogo's like that on all fronts. Like, he, he's like that both with the people that want him to be fascists and the ones that don't. True. True, true, true. He's not just like that with, you know, people that don't want him to be and then kind of buying into everything Waz says. You know, it's better than the alternative of exactly that. Um, so I know, I know I mentioned it briefly in our wild speculation on Gates, but the whole bit of Swartz holding Gates off the top of a building and trying to drop him onto some power lines, only for Waz to step in and, you know, then him and Gates snark at each other for a minute or so. Like, not only was that really fun and exciting to watch, that was some of the better character and lore building this show has managed so far. Mm. And I actually initially uh, misinterpreted this scene. Uh, I misremembered when a line took place and thought that maybe it meant that the Timejackers weren't necessarily from the same time period as as Omazeo and Gates and all that. Um, But Swartz, when he first gets there, notes that it's nice to finally meet Gates before he tries to drop him off a building. And then when Gates is saved by Waz, Swartz is surprised that Waz is, quotes, working with Gates now. Which again, you know, leans a little bit into my, you know, Gates being the Prince of Time, because probably not a lot of people had known him. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that you you want to sequester the Prince, because that's the best way to keep the Prince from going out and, and seeing humans as people, which, you know, that's generally a bad thing for rulers to do, because if you see them as people... You can't use them as pawns for whatever war you're running tomorrow. And I mean, like, that's exactly what ended up happening, but probably after the Timejackers started their timejacking. On just a quick aside, I'm very sorry. It was so intense to see Swartz do some of his Timejacker space-time manipulation on one of our heroes. Like, sure, they've done some stopping time or pausing things... But usually they save all of their messing with, like, physical 
things for when they're doing their their making their their pitch to their their contractees to their warlocks if you will if i can get a little dnd but it, it is the first time we've actually seen them attack their competition and uh i quite enjoyed it being honest because i know that eventually there's going to be a thing where zeo just like breaks out of it with the mid-season upgrade but like i said it was one of the more exciting yeah. moments we've had but especially to, to... to i'm very sorry just to get back to to uh sogo and his weird nonchalance i appreciated that swartz was like yeah it's it's nice to meet you kid nice knowing you I'll drop you off a thing he's not as nonchalant but he's still they still have this weird way of relating to each other i don't know it's charming they definitely feel like weird time gods having weird time god fights it makes oh me i love swartz i yeah. adore him like he's of the three he's my favorite but circling back a little bit like since because of the way that swartz reacted to Waz, and the fact that the three of them and Waz are the only ones who seem to be able to freely move through time because mm. everyone else needs a time machine i'm curious as to if Waz may have been one of the time jackers at one point given that his name like theirs is also a time pun is it was oh right yeah past tense gotcha good catch you know they're they're all trying to find the king that they want maybe Waz was just the first one who got you know he did it and then you know when you look at his outfit come to think i i think that maybe there's there's an argument to be made cuz it's not unlike theirs, is it? It's it doesn't have the giant uh the what do you call it? like are, is, do you call it eyes? Because that's what they all look like the big circle things that everyone's got all over their yeah like I, eyelets or grommets. That's the word I was looking for. Eyelets. Yeah, he doesn't have those, but the style is pretty there. And I bet if he pulled off that scarf, we'd probably see one or two. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, he's got some things line up between them, and just the way that Swartz was like, Swartz knows him? Yeah. Like, like maybe maybe everyone just knows Waz. He is that kind of guy. He is, but I I think there is definitely something to the idea that he is the previous winner of the Great Time Jackening. Just, you know, he doesn't have to mess with things in the same way, because, like you said, he, like, he won. I've got the actual king, it's cool. I'm just gonna have him kill all y'all. Man, if this is all a weird fight between actual time gods, in which our riders are only pawns, that would be pretty good. That would be pretty neat. And speaking of the time jackers and their name puns, uh, I know that we were, you know, having some debates over what Swartz may mean, and I think it's actually a mashing of Swiss and Quartz, uh, which are both specific, well-known makes of clocks and watches. I mean, it, it makes as much sense as anything else. Also, maybe would help explain what it is to go, quote, over quartzer, end quote, because that's... If if people refer to a quartz watch as specifically, as opposed to just like, oh, hey, look down at the, the face of this watch. It's got... It's it's a quartz watch. Huh, how about that? I, I don't... That's weird to me. I don't know. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe being a Swiss watch and a quartz watch at the same time is how you go over quartzer. I, Ex I okay. do not know. Actually, I am going to drop a stupid bit of, of watch-related knowledge. I watched a documentary about these people who still make fully mechanical watches, because they've kind of become 
weird collector objects now ever since the the digital watch happened and you could just have a watch and they were cheap because you know that was a thing uh but the thing that also drove a lot of the more mechanical and and like handmade art watches out of business was the once they realized they could use quartz crystals as parts of watches and they would just work really good and you didn't have to do all of the the tiny fiddly bits of metal and like the quartz watch all basically for a long time killed the swiss timepiece because all the swiss ones were masterpieces of mechanical design that were all kind of rendered obsolete when quartz made those kinds of masterpieces relatively commonplace which means that now in switzerland there's a whole new industry of super advanced bespoke mechanical watches that are just these amazing wonders that do nothing but tell time and look really fancy doing it uh there's also the swiss railway clocks which are fascinating Oh. Uh, I did a brief bit of reading on them. It's just, um, you know, trains depart on the minute because there's not, they're not going to depart at like a minute and 30, like, or like a minute and 30 seconds, 30 mm. seconds into a minute because that's, you know, harder to, to do. And yeah. so all of the clocks in the railway have to be exactly the same time. Uh, so Swiss railway clocks, uh, they're they're connected to a mechanism that goes back to a master clock that, after 60 seconds, will move the minute hand of every single clock forward by a minute. And the second hands uh, are mechanically independent and are at about, I think, like, 58 point something seconds and just stop at the 12 and then start again once the minute hand moves up. It's very interesting. Um, I'm fascinated by how things work. No, look, that's a good thing to be fascinated by, really. Uh, but, you know, circle, circling back to Zio, I do have to at least give credit to Sogo for laying out what it means to be a common Rider, especially in regards to another Rider's literally stealing the mantle for their own gain. Like, being a common Rider isn't for someone to make their own life easier and get what they want, it's a sacrifice that someone makes to protect other people. And that Sogo knows and understands that and will stand up for that ideal and use it not only to protect the average person, but to try and better the people who used it misguidedly, which he's done in every arc that wasn't the build arc. It gives me a lot of hope that he can change the type- that he really can end up changing the type of person that Omazeo will be now that he's got people to encourage that. And by people, I mean Tsukuyomi. Because literally no one else wants to encourage that. No, no, it's true. And look, in light of the, the bits I was saying earlier about how scary the kid is, that was one of the moments where, at the very least, I feel like the people making the show know what writer's about because yeah no common writer truly enjoys all the the fighting that they have to do and more than a few have probably been really and truly messed up by it which you know that's that's not me like throwing shade at them that's what should happen a lot of fighting that will mess up a lot most people i'm not saying that's a universal thing but it's it's a fairly common thing and and having him drop that speech there was some good good stuff even as he has to keep walking that weird crooked path as a writer because again we we still want to know that he's the kind of guy who 
could become Omazeo, uh, which puts me in mind of uh, Asimov's Foundation series. At least I think it was Foundation. One of the Asimov series, where all the robots take the, the three laws of robotics that he made up, and they spun it out into making a kind of automated protectorate for humanity, where the machines ran everything, because that was how best to protect and improve the lives of all the humans, because... I don't know if anyone in the year 2018 has noticed, but humans kind of are terrible. The worst. I'm not advocating fascism, but man, sometimes my faith in democracy wavers. Not saying I'm against it, I'm just saying sometimes I doubt because I am mortal. But it's it's one of those things that puts me in mind of the fact that it's been a long time since we had a common writer who was designed to be a conqueror from the off. Uh, the last one I can think of is common writer Black, who was specifically and explicitly there to take over the world, uh, compared to, uh, like, Kuga, who was just kind of there to kill things. Well, there, and, is, there is Decade. That's true. That's true. And I guess on some level, sort of Blade... I mean, the the riders themselves weren't, I guess, except Chalice because he was an undead, but the entire point of the undead was to conquer. Uh, yeah, that's true, because they were going to be the dominant species, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but but still, it there aren't that many conqueror riders where that's sort of the It thing. has been a hot minute. Yeah. So it's, it's cool, and I don't know, I just, I'm fascinated with the way that good intentions can curdle in bad circumstances or just in the mind of a person who is not as who is not as reflective on the nature of goodness and their and the repercussions of their actions cuz i could see in a very twisted way he could use yes the path of the common rider is to sacrifice your own happiness and goodness to protect all the little people who are helpless. And to do that, I will take over the world. I will I will bend their reality. I will destroy everything that stands in their way. And by extension, my way. Which is, I mentioned fascism, that's how a lot of fascist governments justify the evil stuff they do. Like, look, we're just, we have to do it to protect the homeland, yo. There's, there... You know, we have to put all those children into camps, because that's the only thing that will save us. It sucks, and it's bad, and we all know it's evil, but we have to sacrifice our own souls to do the right thing, and so on and so forth. And it's going back, looping back to the show, very sorry for that long aside, but it's it's nice to be cynical enough when watching this show to be like, yes, these guys understand the nature of Common Rider, and hopefully also understand the nature the fact that that nature can be perverted, which, of course, is the main theme of the show, what with all of the another writers happening. You know, at least at least they kind of narratively know what they're doing. Yeah, like, this is my problem with Shimoyama. Like, he very clearly knows his stuff as an episode writer can be one of the greats. As a planner, I'm not sure. <laughs> Just not, not convinced. fully convinced. Yeah. That split shot, though, of Hayase talking to his past self on the phone with the years imposed on, like, below him on the ground and above him on the harbor, that was a really cool shot. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And, and, like, also, 
just you you brought up the 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 way the years were projected on there. I also really like that they used different lighting to differentiate the two time periods. Like I know that it's probably visual storytelling 101, but it's still really nice cuz if nothing else, the past was colder than in in ah, sorry, mouth. Uh, the past was colder cuz it's winter. And also, uh, that's a world that never got to see Haruto's Christmas magic, which is, as we all know, pop culturally speaking, the most powerful magic. Because that is, that is magic that only happens once a year, and it comes from the best in humanity. And if that doesn't happen, yeah, that world is cold. It also kind of makes the, the present one being all warm and, you know, all warm colors, if not warm actually, uh, a little a little nicer. And also, uh, now I think about it, it plays really good because the Wizard episode is happening around Halloween. Not on Halloween, clearly, but around it. So it's uh, Christmas learning a thing or two from Halloween, which, um, as, as a pseudo-goth myself... I think that I'm, I'm down with that. I guess really the only other good thing I have to say about this episode, predictably, is just how expressive Waz is throughout the entire episode. Like, this entire arc, really. He's constantly doing this kind of bitter half-smile in regards to Sogo having pretty much any kind of interpersonal interactions with another human being. But it changes a little based on the situation. Like, it's a little sarcastic and kind of amused when he's fighting with Gates and Gates calls being friends with Sogo nonsense. And it's it's very frustrated when Sogo is kind of insistent upon getting his own way and kind of doing what he wants instead of going and, you know, following Waz's path. And, you know, at the end when Sogo is kind of comforting Hayase, he does it again, but it's very sad like it's it's sad and like he's kind of he kind of wants he feels bad that he's trying to make sogo not this person that he is right now which is i don't know maybe me reading too much into a facial expression but look we got we got, we find our joys where we can that's that's what i took from it like he kind of almost felt a little bad that he's got to ruin this kid and then, you know, he goes from being annoyed at Gates to being amused at Sogo when, you know, Sogo calls him out and he's like, Ah, you figured me out. You figured out I'm here all the time. And then Sogo's like, Oh, you'll help me because you're on my side. And he starts, you know, laughing about it. And he's also, you know, confused and maybe a little disappointed when Sogo isn't jumping at the chance to go back to 2012 and inherit Wizard because he's too busy trying to prevent Hayase from being the worst kind of person. There's just some really elegant and expressive acting coming from him in these episodes, and it's dang near the only thing that kept me engaged for the, you know, 45 minutes that this arc went on. Which, I mean, look, the, the fellow playing Waz, he is really good. Like you said, he's, he just does a great job of showing us who Waz is and what he's about, while at the same time, like, he's... Waz doesn't say a lot of things, which lets him remain pleasantly lawful neutral bordering on lawful evil as opposed to honestly he could be really annoying or really bland but the fact that the the actor is always active and is always is always putting on those expressions is always letting us know who this character is in every action he takes it's really good 
it's it's a subtle thing that's hard to quantify but that's what good acting is i wish i could say the same for sogo i had to get it i had to get my little jab in i'm very sorry he's kid's nice i'm sure he's gonna go far but he's, he's doing the best he can with what he's been given it just sucks that what he's been given so often feels like he just is painfully neutral. That said, Waz is really good. I really enjoy the the kid playing Waz. I I also clearly do. He's my favorite thing going on in this show. Uh, so I think that's it for our main coverage, yeah? Uh, pretty much. Alright, well then I'm just gonna launch us into the new suit roundup, because one, I'm, always, I'm very happy that we have new suit roundup every episode now. That's actually a lot of fun. But also, I... This, this one's a tough one, but if nothing else, I do have to say I love another wizard, if only because skeleton belt. Just the skull hand, the, the skeleton hand, that's that's a really clever idea. I'm, I'm sort of whatever on turning the, the coat into sort of, I guess, like a duster or a cape or something. But also I feel like the whole suit was a lot bulkier than I would have liked, which is compared to... The regular wizard suit, of course, because the wizard suit always seemed really slim, even though I know that that's a combination of, of the lines and the fact that they use black, which is very slimming, and the long coattails, which just sort of stretches things out, but still. And, and the biggest corruption seems to me that it is so bulky, and they took a minimalist suit and added so many just busy details onto it that it, it stopped being sleek. I don't know if that's good or bad, really, because it is a it is a corruption of the wizard suit, but it just it just doesn't stick in the head as much as it could, which is saying something because the wizard suit is freaking iconic. That said, I do want to say that the ring halo crown thing on his head was really snazzy. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much agreed on all fronts because the skeleton hand on the belt is the coolest thing. Yeah. But also the the suit itself is so muddy. Like even the the SIC wizard suits and All Dragon is the one I'm most familiar with, but I've looked at the others. They're all of the details of the suit are very clear even if they're highly stylized and exaggerated. But this just felt like a weird red blob where none of the none of the parts were really those that distinct like black coattails, red lapels. Like it Wizard is very distinct in how it's set up and this was just very muddy and just again this weird red blob that was vaguely in the shape of heart from Common Rider Drive and I just couldn't get there. Oh. Now I'm going to be mad at that suit even more cuz I was just seeing like the the bit on the chest as as like a skull but now all I'm going to be seeing it as is heart. Oh. Drive was not a like those were not great suits. Those were not Drive isn't suits. the thing that I want to remember. Yeah, and honestly, I'm just if you're gonna make a show that's gonna make me think of Drive, please make me think that your show is better. It shouldn't be hard. It's not hard. It, this is not Drive. I'm just a bit frustrated. But I, I do want to say, um, just as a, as a non-visual bit of like this isn't really the suit. This is the stuff around the suit, but. I mentioned the skeleton hand already, so I just want to throw out um, that I like that the Another Rider suit seems to operate on a completely different politeness level than does the main suits in uh, Wizard, because uh, 
it just says the effect flame liquid defense or whatever as opposed to like haruto whose suit was beseeching a great power flame please water please or fueki who commands it it's flame now water now it, it makes sense for a person uh, for whom magic just kind of happened to him he doesn't have to build rapport with it he just tells it what to do because it's mechanical for him whereas for fueki and haruto nah this means something to them they had to go through some stuff to get there and i just um i don't know it stuck out as a thing to me it is very interesting it's a good call i honestly that was that was a thing i focused on so hard during wizard because once the first time you hear blame now it's like oh god it's so good yeah it's i tell you again like we, we talked about the beast side and how there were some troubles there and Honestly, I feel like Wizard was a very troubled production altogether. But those moments, it had so many moments where you just like, oh, and that is the thing I will always love about Wizard, even though like at the time I was sort of whatever. But every time they had a whoa moment, those stuck. Like when you saw Common Rider Mage for the first time, and you're just like, cool. And then you basically never saw her again jerks yeah anyway um still talking about wizard uh we have the wizard armor with common rider gates as the other new suit and i just want to say that except for the shoulder pads which i think is going to be a running theme throughout all of our riot armors it was one of the better ones i mean the the bits hanging off the back do a good job of evoking the long coat without trying to be literal about it and for all I think a lot of the little bits of magic writing on the trim make it a little busier than it needs to be. I think it's the best looking armor they've done. I mean, you know, you fight me on it, I'll, I'll roll over, but... Uh. Again, it, I feel like it wouldn't work as well on Zeo, because no. again, it's in Gates's colors. Yeah. And anything that's in Gates's colors works pretty decently on him, it seems like. But it wasn't... It wasn't all that bad looking. I actually really liked the the chest because that just made me think of Maji Ranger. Ooh, I could see that. Yeah. Cuz it it kind of curved in in that M. Yeah. And I'm like uh probably not a Maji Ranger reference, but I'll take it. Yeah, same. Uh, and Maji Ranger is so good. Anyway, um before we close out, like I know you opened with the big theory thing, and I'm still blown away by it and it does affect the way I watch the show. Especially realizing that it was episode 210, because, wow. We did, did it. Did not we see made that it work. coming. That was, that was some kismet. That was some, uh, that was, that was not a trick, Toriku I Like, that's just, okay. We but, absolutely didn't plan that. This is. Yeah, I'm still, anyway. But, but to sort of keep on our, our, this quasi-magical theme, and, uh, theming about, uh, coincidences and names and stuff, but, I had a stupid thought about, of all things, uh, what could happen when they get to Gaim. Because, okay, here's a thing about Common Rider Gaim. In the show, they are explicitly not Common Riders. Outside of the title of the show, Common Rider Gaim, they are all called Armored Riders in the show. Which, you know, is, is a fun thing considering that Sogo and Gates already are wearing ride armor, so they are 
kind of armored riders themselves. But I can't help thinking it'd actually be quite clever if the crew of Zalame City could somehow end up as the last defenses against the future that is Zio, because they occupy a weird space vis-a-vis Kamen Rider. They're in the franchise, but because they're explicitly not Kamen Riders, are they subject to the rule of the heir of all Kamen Riders? Could a revisited, reimagined Gaim give that benighted story some extra dimension that will make it me hate it less by just saying, actually, you know how at the end of the series we took the guy who was subtextually basically Satan and we thanked him? What if we could actually thank him for having us not be common writers because that will actually protect us from Z.O. taking our power? I mean, look, this is all like a big magical power of names thing, but in a show that kind of works on a lot of symbolic stuff, I just can't help thinking that that... I can't help thinking that it would be a fun thing to roll with, even if he ends up taking the guy in power at the end anyway. It would be... Look, it would add a dimension to Gaim, which would give it more than nothing. So, any any anything they can do to to make a Gaim arc different and interesting... I will gladly accept, because otherwise we're going to have two episodes where I just don't care. And those will be the two episodes where I'm also like, stop pretending any of them were good. They were all garbage people. Don't you lie to me. I was there. But, uh, you know, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Uh, so I think that's that's all our, our major, that's all our stuff for these episodes. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, uh, well, I guess then we'll, we'll roll on out of here. So for the Uncounted Cast RX and the rest of the TOL network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And don't 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2!